Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Hey there, podcast listeners. Each year in September, I reach out to ask for support, and we are at that time of year once again. The Children's Book Podcast has survived and thrived over the past six years and 500-plus episodes, thanks in large part to listeners like you, who have helped to cover the cost of equipment, bandwidth, and file storage, and even the opportunity to travel and record on location at professional conferences. I feel grateful and privileged to have had the opportunity to speak with so many amazing and varied guests, from award winners to up-and-comers, and knowing that so many of you are out there listening and supporting is quite humbling. I've got lots of great episodes in store for the coming year, plus a couple of ideas that I think will help connect children with great stories and the people who make them. I look forward to sharing all of it with you. If you've been considering supporting the show, now is a great time. You can do so for as little as $1, knowing that every penny goes directly to sustaining the work I'm doing each week through this show. You can make a one-time donation by visiting paypal.me slash childrensbkpod or becoming a sustaining member through Patreon at patreon.com slash matthewcwinner. Both of these options are linked in the show notes, which you can view on your device right now. No matter how you support, thank you. Thank you for being part of the story and for helping so many new stories reach readers in wonderful and lasting ways. All right, Miranda, I am just switching note yep. journals, and then we're going to jump in. Oh. Do you put on a new hat each time you do that? What if I literally put on a new hat? You should. I do have a, I do have uh, journals, though. This is a fun thing. So I, I keep my notes in my journal, and then I fold over the top or the bottom of each page um, with every interview that I, that I post. So that way I know the ones that are unfolded are not posted yet. The ones that are folded are. Uh, and I have now, I'm on my seventh, sixth or seventh journal, um, what do you call these, like, uh, moleskin journal things, of, um, of interviews. It's super cool. But I'm actually quite embarrassed, Miranda, that I'm on my sixth or seventh, um, journal and I'm only now interviewing you. I'm so sorry. I've loved you for a long time. But I do have to say, I think, oh, too, man. I think <laughs> there's never enough time to interview all the people. 
Well, don't, don't worry about it. Like, you've been doing what you can do. Like, you gotta let it go. But what I was gonna say is what I always like to affirm um, in that hope of talking to people is that it, it, it comes back over and over to the right book. And Little Libraries, Big Heroes is so much the right book. And Thank You is so much the right book. So I'm glad that 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 it took, that it was this moment that we were supposed to talk. I don't know that I can say I spend adequate time talking to my kids and my students about ordinary heroes working at the grassroots level. Today, that's just what we'll do. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 535. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm speaking with Miranda Paul, author most recently of Little Libraries, Big Heroes. With more than 75,000 registered little free libraries in 88 countries around the world, there is great chance you've passed an LFL in your neighborhood at some point. This simple idea designed to build and support community around reading provides no-cost access to books any time of day, and they've been popping up in some really unexpected locations, including restaurants, grocery stores, and barber shops, as well as those you'll find nestled into neighborhoods. I was not aware of LFL's founders, Todd Bull and Rick Brooks, or the idea that it took some time to finally take root. Reading Miranda's story feels part love letter to the LFL founders, and part reminder that we all have the capacity to be heroes in our neighborhoods. Text in this story is straightforward and empowering, and John Para's art brings something more in the form of seamlessly blending together the dreaming and the doing. It's a book you will want to put in readers' hands over and over. Please welcome my guest, Miranda Paul, author of Little Libraries, Big Heroes. This is Miranda Paul. I'm a children's book author. I have 14 picture books for children, including my latest, Little Libraries, Big Heroes, which is illustrated by John Para. I love writing both fiction and nonfiction, and I love books that can be used in the classroom, but also at home for gifts or bedtime stories. (laughs) Miranda Paul, welcome finally! Finally, I'm here. I can't believe it. We were just saying that we we first met in real life, IRL, in, um I don't know what year, whenever the SCBWI in New York, whenever I came up for the New York conference, we had a little All the Wonders party. But um I have loved, as I said, I've loved your books for a long, long time as a school librarian, as a reader, as a person who, who loves beautiful picture books. You have made some beautiful picture books, and Little Libraries, Big Heroes is certainly one of those books. Um, and how cool, too, that you get to work with John Para. He's a buddy I know. of mine. It's just the perfect art. He's he's really <laughs> just brought this story to life in that sort of build it DIY kind of feeling. I know it kind of works, doesn't it? <laughs> it works wonderfully. <laughs> okay, so tell me and and those listening about Little Libraries Big Heroes uh for those that haven't encountered this book yet. A little book talk if you don't mind. Sure. <clears throat> 
Well, Little Free Library, the organization, actually began in my home state, Wisconsin. And so these tiny boxes began appearing all around me before they kind of spread far and wide. So I'd seen them uh, pretty close to the beginning. Um, And I love books and reading, of course, so I was intrigued. But my experience teaching in Gambia, Africa, also helped me see these miniature lending libraries as a sort of way to provide access to books in areas where they were scarce. Um, Growing up, in fact, I went to a small school on the edge of the city, and we actually didn't have a librarian, and the library was just a few bookcases in the main office, and um, the secretary would stamp index cards. Anyway, so the bookmobile from our public library would drive once a month into our parking lot and distribute books. And so, in fact, uh, Little Library's Big Heroes is dedicated in part to Bookmobile Bob. So, <laughs> so Little Free Libraries became a book that grew out of my knowledge that one person can make a difference just by an idea that came out of, you know, from, from the heart. Um, and in grown. And this is just an example of that. So I love championing everyday, ordinary heroes working at the grassroots level. That's a common theme in a lot of my books, especially the biographies I've written of people. Um, And so I collected a lot of research and had a close connection with Todd Bull, um, one of the founders of Little Free Library. And you know, we, we happened to be in the same place at the same time. And, and I introduced myself and said, hey, I'm writing a book about you, by the way. And, and he graciously agreed to answer and questions and be interviewed. And this is the story. I love <laughs> the notion of meeting, uh, you know, to 100,000 boxes in like 80 countries around the world. I love the idea of meeting a, um, you know, like, quote unquote, celebrity being so enamored that you're like, I'm writing a book about you. (laughs) That is my kind of people right there. (laughs) Well, you know, this is Wisconsin. We kind of had a family connection. Oh, that's awesome. It was really interesting um, how that all worked. But I happened to be at a conference, like right around the corner from him. And I was like, oh, okay, let me go say hello. You mentioned that was years ago. You mentioned about ordinary heroes. And it strikes me that we, I became aware of the Little Free Libraries um, program because of just the way that, you know, the internet works. We just find out about these things, right? Librarians talk. We learn about these things. But, and and we even installed um, a little free library in our school. Um, But it didn't, like, outside of our school, so that kids could check out, borrow books anytime. Didn't have to be their library day. Didn't have to be anything. They could just come by and do it. But it struck me that I never even questioned where they came from because I just assumed, well, they're libraries. They must just exist like all people. But that's not <laughs> that's not how things work. Somebody has to start them. And I love at the start of your book the way that you introduce this. You write quite epically for thousands of years. People have loved stories about heroes, mythical heroes, historical heroes, and even ordinary heroes. Like this guy, Todd. Pretty ordinary, right? <laughs> I thought, like, the way to introduce someone in a biography is just like, this guy, pretty ordinary, right? (laughs) Is the greatest. So yay for that. And yay to see that that from a man's love for his, his family, his mom, and the work that she did with literacy, that he thought a way to honor her would be um, by starting a, a lending library in that way. 
Um, but then like things, uh, it just, nobody knew what it was or what, <laughs> like it, it went largely unnoticed. I should put it that way. I thought that there, there's so much real in Todd's story because sometimes we read biographies where it seems like things for the individual just kind of keep working out and keep working out and keep working out. It's, it's not often that, that the biographer, you in this case, give us the glimpse at hey, you know what, they tried this thing and it, it really didn't go anywhere until they tried this other location or tried going on the road or getting out of their their neighborhood, getting out of their, their area and getting in front of new people. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Well, and, and Todd and Rick, uh, I've met both of them, in, in each of their own ways, larger than life personalities. And so uh, the ability to dream <laughs> was, was there. Uh, whether or not the the people were there to to embrace it right away or not the ability to dream um hopefully that will be an inspiration too that you know if you have an idea you, you can take your idea to the people you don't have to wait for people to come to you i like that. <laughs> the idea was there whether or not the people were there <laughs> but it, it affirms that that we we all have that i mean your readers likewise but also the 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 teachers the educators the parents reading to those readers there's space in here too for them to say that like it doesn't have to be that from a very early age you were always dreaming of doing this one thing and then you accomplish it todd was later in life and he went on to do something that that continues to grow how many little free libraries did you say are currently registered Oh, they're somewhere above 75,000. I don't think they've reached 100,000 because there's probably going to be a big party when they reach 100,000. We're somewhere in between there. Uh, Actually, during the writing of Little Libraries, Big Heroes, I had to revise the back matter so many times because that number continuously changed. And you know how when something starts spreading, then instead of just multiplying, it kind of exponentially grows. It does. Yeah. Like now we look at like factors of 10 versus just like (laughs) doubling it. So it's it's powerful to see that something as simple as really like like resource management we all have these books that 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 we want or that we want to get rid of or that we don't know what to do with and here is a method of resource management that that allows not only for those books to be shared but more importantly for community to center around those books like like i don't know erecting a playground in a park in a neighborhood with the idea of drawing out the neighborhood together bringing them all together to play these little free libraries um have done exactly that at least i can attest to the ones in our neighborhoods and the ones that um that have been at at the school that we just see families you know driving up or riding their bikes up to borrow books uh or to drop off books and it's neat the way that people just kind of get it and, and, you know, for the benefits that these little free libraries have for all the patrons who come and use them, I put one in earlier this year, and it is so joyful to just be looking out your window and seeing a little kid on their bike coming up to the little free library, <laughs> you know, one who can barely reach up in there, and, but they can they'll grab that book or a whole stack of books at a time. And honestly, it, there's joy on every side of it. Um, there's practicality, there's joy, there's influence, you know, inspiration. There's so many things that can come out of these little boxes that anyone can make. I 
I think, too, to emphasize that while um, Todd and Rick were, were building, were assembling these unique little free libraries, and we actually purchased a, a, like a um, like an official little free library, I guess you would call it, one that the, the organization assembled, um, it's also important to note that they just have this open online registry that you can make an LFL out of whatever. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Libro.fm Audiobooks. So, you know I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I am now being asked pretty regularly what I'm listening to. The answer right now is Strange Birds by Celia Perez, the author of The First Rule of Punk. And I am loving this book about four girls who uh, find a cause to take up in their neighborhood, but also find some conflict between the four of them. It's beautifully written. The girls are, uh, the characters are so wonderfully developed, um, each with their own voice and their own role to play. I'm only halfway through, but it's been the greatest company on my drive to work and on my daily runs. Uh, the typical hopping from book to book is not unusual for me, but I borrow books from my library and sometimes purchase through um, audiobook providers so that I can keep these books that I want to read over and over. When it comes to getting audiobooks, you've got a lot of options, but through Libro.fm you can support local bookstores at no extra cost to you, which is why I make that choice. And listeners of the Children's Book Podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of just one month. So go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter WINNER. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. There are many amazing photos online of like a TARDIS little free library, <laughs> the one built into a an old like tree stump. Actually, that was in the book. There was I've seen things like that of of built into old tree stumps, and and John included that in the book. I thought that was really cool. But just knowing that that there's also diversity in how the the boxes are displayed, shared. I love. I think it's. It might be Chronicle. There's there's um, a particular publisher on uh, Instagram that has just been regularly each each week sharing a different little free library that they've come across, uh, all painted beautifully to reflect <laughs> the neighborhood or to be a miniature of the house it's in front of or whatever. They just have such personality. They do. And, you know, while I was researching the book, I got to see some pretty cool little free libraries. And also um, working, I worked a little bit with the organization to make sure to get uh, things correct. Um, Margaret Aldrich has like a coffee table book for, um, you know, for, for adults or for anyone that has some photos of some great little free libraries around the world as well. And that's just called the little free library book. Um, it's just fun to talk with stewards and to see how dedicated they are to sharing books with other people and how some of the stories of the impact in a community, you know, after a, a devastation or just in rural communities or different places around the world, it's just incredible to see how a little library has has made change or sparked action. Tell me more about 
the idea to write this book? I know that you said in the beginning that just you were fat. And I think you say in your, your note too, that you were just your author's note that you were just fascinated by the existence of this little thing and, 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 and all that you intuited of the idea behind it. But then you did take that step further of, of reaching out and of finding Todd and of uh, hearing more of that story. So tell me more about what that journey was like for you. Do you feel like you found your heart even had more space to love these LFLs? Well, definitely. I, <laughs> I think that this is, um, I have two other picture book biographies of people who were alive while I was writing them. And, um, I love the fact that when I find someone who wasn't necessarily a celebrity beforehand or didn't have some super, you know, human talent or, you know, ability, um, this was just an ordinary guy who had this idea and once he saw that what it could do, kept it going, you know, I mean, it being cash strapped and, you know, he could have given up. He could have just said, well, this is, you know, I'll just let it go or whatever. He saw that it could have an impact and it did have an impact personally on him. And I love movements that start very organically, that start from a place of, you know, sort of honesty or emotion. And this was one of those things that the more and more I sort of learned about how it began and also like that, that right away it, it took some going. It wasn't like, you know, I put this video on the internet and then it goes viral kind of thing where it's out of your hands luck. It was literally a lot of time and thought and um, hard work, sweat put into trying to see if, if it could work because it, it took that belief in yourself. And I think that sometimes if something doesn't take off right away in this, um, you know, this sort of instant age where we kind of feel like everything has to happen quickly, um, I feel that it's, it's easy for students to get uh, discouraged if they don't see results right away. And so the fact that it wasn't immediately successful also made me more like want to champion that it wasn't, it wasn't immediately su successful. It took time um, for it to really catch on to the place where, you know, now most people, if you walk up to them and, and describe a little free library, they'll go, oh, I've seen one of those, or I know what they are. Um, and that idea of, you know, there's a little bit of perseverance, there's a little bit of sweat equity in there to get your idea off the ground is, is, a, great, is a great thing to celebrate. I like that each like of these different LFLs have a, a voice too in what books are stocked there and that can change um i like that I, I i've always loved that our school lfl was really made up of books that those students would be reading uh but that the one in my grocery store is all adult books i've wanted to bring in some children's books in there and maybe some <laughs> children's books go in there and then just get um taken out right away borrowed right away but um but that it really ends up being representative of those that are contributing to it. And I think that's one, that's really cool. But two, I've also been really impressed that it's not because people are, I'm going to work out this idea as I'm telling you, but because people are taking out books that they are interested in or that they value, I feel that they tend to put in books that likewise would be of value versus like when you go to, I don't know, Salvation Army and you just see their book section has the worst, most horrible, outdated books that probably should be recycled. 
because the information just isn't <laughs> accurate anymore or it's in such bad shape or whatever. In my experience, little free libraries tend to have books that you would want to give to someone else. I took a book that I think you probably treasured and I'm going to treasure it now. And so I want to give you back something that you might also find value in. And I think that to get something like that off the ground is, is really mesmerizing that, 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 that is what would work in a project like this. I think that's, that's wonderful. And I, I think too, just having these boxes of books all over, you know, the likelihood that you're going to see a book somewhere on the street corner, whatever trip you're taking, there's going to be a book somewhere. You can't say, well, I don't have any books to read. They're, they're kind of, it, it's like a symbol. It's like when you put them up and you fill this box with books, it's like saying, I choose to live in a culture that reads. I choose to live in a culture that's informed, or I want to spread that um, and make that available if other people choose to be in that, you know, to be part of that culture with me. Um, and I think that is remarkable in and of itself, given the statistics of how few books adults read in a given year. I love that sentiment of I choose to leave and live in this culture. My son and I, I took my son to the a local pizza place, Lido's Pizza, and um, they had a little Lido library, like right there in the <laughs> like dining area. It's a seat yourself kind of place, but right there in the dining area. And the sign on it said, uh, something like donate a book and we'll give you a, a dessert for free. So a little incentive tip, because I don't think you would typically think of bringing a book to a pizza place to donate. But um, that notion that even here, while you're waiting for your pizza, while you're waiting for anything, we want mm -hmm. this to be a place where literacy is also supported. I've definitely seen things like this in doctor's offices or in um, barbershops, things like that I've heard of before, but to know that it's also, the idea is also permeating into restaurants, into all of these spaces where we know as readers, you can read anywhere, but to be able to exchange books and have that culture in these different spaces is something that I think really gives me a lot of hope. And I think really points back to that vision that Todd had. And I think that, um, well, you've had those opportunities to speak to him before he passed. He had the opportunity to see his his idea growing. Do you have a sense of 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 how he felt about what what it meant when Little Free Libraries sort of took on that that life of their own? I know for a fact that Todd was very has been very proud of Little Free Library and how it's spread around the world. He loved the fact that this story was coming out as a children's book. Um, he just, he really had a joy about him, um, especially when it came to children's books and children in general. Um, but b before he passed away too, he, he made a comment about how he was the, felt like the luckiest man in the world, um, because he knew that his, uh, his idea, his, his hard work, his, um, this whole idea had been embraced by the world and was going to continue on after uh, he was gone. And that is a remarkable thing in and of itself to, to know that before you pass. Um, and I just feel incredibly honored to have been a part of that and that he did get to see the book before he passed and he shared it every day, the last week of his life. Um, what his brother told me. That's awesome. Um, I want to, I want to, and I'm, I'm watching our time. I want to respect your time. 
So Miranda, when I read this book, it makes me think about what it will be like for the book to be out in the world because it's not quite out there yet. We're recording in August. You've got about a month to go right when school starts. But it makes me think about how you have pictured this book going out in the world, being that this is one of 14 that will be out in the world. Um, Some that have come years before, but I know that each book is different when you welcome it into the world. And also that we, the readers, welcome it in different ways. I feel so, so close to this book, though, and the feeling of wanting to challenge everyone to just buy a second copy and find a little free library. Go on to little, I think it's just littlefreelibrary.org, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But just to go on to there and and locate a little free library near you and, and donate one of these books to there. How meta, but how beautiful it is to bring your story to the box that inspired your story. Do you have, um, have you been thinking about what this might look like um, when the book gets welcomed out into the world? Oh, well, I feel that this book, maybe more than any other book that I've written, has never actually belonged to me. Uh, This book has been sort of an everyone book because Little Free Library, as much as Todd and Rick started it, the movement has become a movement of people, of ordinary heroes everywhere in many of the cities mentioned in the book, El Paso, New Orleans, Hudson, Minneapolis, Madison, Chicago. This book is, couldn't be the book it is without all of the people who are going to hopefully embrace it, share it, put it in a little free library um, so that other people know the story of the box that they happened upon. Um, And so it's, it's an interesting feeling that, Yes, in some ways it's it's my book or my and John's book, um, but really this this book is for all of the stewards because this movement and this idea of choosing to be in a culture of books wouldn't be there without the tens of thousands of people who have volunteered their time or their money or their you know mental space to making this movement what it is. So I kind of feel that when this book comes out in the world, I can only hope that all the stewards recognize themselves and their importance within the book and that readers recognize that idea of the ordinary hero. It's, it's why it ends the way it does. Um, recognize something themselves and want to go out and and do something in the world, whether that's related to books or related to some other act of kindness. Um, I just I just hope that this book is embraced as widely as as I envision it. Miranda, do you have a copy of the book in front of you? I do not. <laughs> I'm I'm going to 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 read a piece to close us, if you don't mind. Um, before I do so, I want to spend just one more minute on John Parra's art because he's so beautifully drawn people of all ages and from all communities coming together, which I think is, again, exactly what Todd hoped for, Rick hoped for with this idea, Um, even down to um, those, the the nods to Andrew Carnegie and um, Liddy Stearns in the like medals (laughs) that were created to honor these folks. I think that there's so much here that, that John has really given space for us to look at the individuals behind this, which is to say, 
uh, the community, not just Todd, but those people that gathered around that took that idea and made it their own and carried it forward. Uh, it's got John's signature um, color story that he, he works so beautifully in these orange reds and in these blues and in these pinks and greens. I always love seeing his art. Uh, but in this case, to see the way he's gone in, in illustration from, from literal boxes of books and people building them to these ideas traveling all over and, and, and the way that his illustrations become more abstract toward the end, I think is just gorgeous. And so congratulations to you both on on crafting such a beautiful book together. Uh, I think it serves the idea and the individual behind the idea really, really well. Uh, and it's one that I, I, I hope this story is able to live on for a long, long time because of that. I hope so too. You know, it's so funny about illustrations because depending on the book, you know, I don't always have a lot of collaboration with the illustrator, but when I saw the cover, so you've got Todd and you've got Rick and you've got other kids looking at the library and there's, there's the, the girl with the blonde hair and she's wearing sort of a green plaid jumper. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because that, exactly my uniform when I was in elementary school was that exact <laughs> green plaid jumper and I'm positive I didn't give any photos of myself to to um John so that's just one of those happy accidents that I was like wow that looks exactly like me as a kid going to school and there I am on the cover and I was just like wow that's that's just a really um fun coincidence but I also have to point out, John did a remarkable thing in the story, which starts out very casual and sort of ends very meta, um, is about stories and is about that we've, as humans, we love stories. We love telling stories. We love reading stories. And a lot of those symbols that he uses to describe, you know, the legends and the myths and things are re-sprinkled out back through the story. So if you take a look at the first page, which sort of encompasses a human history of storytelling in his visuals, you will see the, that sun symbol or that dragon or that something from the beginning spread at different points throughout the narrative of Little Free Library, how it got started throughout the book, which you is pretty remarkable. are kidding. That is wild. So, I, I mean, it's just it, the whole package comes together really well. John is a very thoughtful illustrator, and it's got this DIY feel. It feels like we're out in a recycled barn, you know, we're in a barn with the recycled wood, and we're making a little free library. The book feels like that. It feels like there's paint drying yep. on the pages of the book, which together, the whole package um, is just great because this book was a long time in development, and it has come out exactly um, the way it needs to be told um, and exactly the way it needs to be depicted. And I just hope that all the stewards um, embrace it and recognize it as their story too. You're right. The way that his canvas looks weathered, looks sanded around the edges, things like that. Um, I did not know about the art coming back into play later, but there were little symbols like keys and, and keyholes and, rope and twine and strings and things like that that I see carried through um, that that are symbolic of 
knowledge and access and sharing and connectedness that really spoke to me as well. I want to read to you the um, the way you end the book. You were alluding to it earlier. You write, <clears throat> Today thousands of ordinary and creative heroes are bringing millions of free books to their friends and neighbors. Today, those friends and neighbors will share them with other friends and neighbors. Today, books will be loved. Big ideas will spark. And tomorrow, who knows? Tomorrow might bring another hero story written by you and shared with the whole wide book-loving world. Miranda, thank you so much for all that you committed to making this book and honoring Todd and honoring Little Free Libraries and the stewards of them, but also just for the work you do in children's literature at large. Uh, you are someone that I look up to. You are an author whose books I admire, and it means a lot to know that you are going into schools, that children are meeting you and the big ideas that you have and the heart that you have. Uh, that that means a lot to me as a librarian to know that that there are people like you behind the books that we love that are out there championing our children. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. This is really a delight to be here and to get to talk about a very special book that I made. And I just want to say, I don't know when you're going to air this podcast, but if it airs before September 13th, um, Todd's brother, Tony Bowl, is having a big celebration um, for a, a new venture called Share With Others, where they're going to turn little free library boxes into food pantries and ways to share art supplies and other things. And they're having a big kickoff in Stillwater, Minnesota, and the book will have an official launch party in Stillwater, Minnesota, the weekend of September 13th and 14th, and I'll be there. Um, if any of your listeners might happen to be in the area or would like to meet Todd Bowles' brother, Tony, and how he's keeping Todd's legacy alive and expanding it to bring food and other supplies in areas that might need them. Oh my goodness. This idea is so huge. I love it. Okay, Miranda, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? I would love to tell the kids that I love them all and there is someone in their life who loves them. And if they are the kind of kid who says they don't really like books, if they could just add the word yet to the end because there is a book somewhere in the library that was written just for them that they're going to love. And so just keep looking. This is Darshna Kiani, author of How to Wear a Sari, coming in fall 2020. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.darshanakhiani.com forward slash South Asian Kid Lit. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Pottington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. 
All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Karina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us, too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.